Captain's Log, Stardate 69.420 After successfully defending the Quintar system from marauding pack-led pirates, we've arrived at Starbase 29 for repairs and a refit of our entire weapons array. I've submitted my request for our new offensive system, but it's already received a lot of pushback from Starfleet. I am confident, however, that I can convince the Admiralty that these changes are necessary. I mean, who needs phasers? The only time they actually destroy anything is when the plot needs them to. Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, here with Centurion Corey. Hey, Corey, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. Things are pretty great over at the Romulan Star Empire. You know, I was thinking it'd be fun for us today, and this is not related at all to my job, to talk about... Again, nothing related with the Romulan Star Empire. Just talk about, like, weapons that the Federation has and kind of their, like, pros and cons and weaknesses. And, uh... Oh! If that's okay with you. Just apropos of nothing, right? Yeah. This is just two chums chatting in 10 Forward. Yeah. I want to talk about weapons in Star Trek today. That's that's our topic. And I think that this is going to be a two-parter because you have you have a component that you want to add to this. But we're going to specifically talk about um, offensive weapons that are related to Star Trek technology. And I have a, a little bit of a take that I want to propose to you. Yeah, let's hear it, Corey. What's your hot take? <laughs> okay. So first of all, let's talk about the phaser. So every genre, every like IP in fantasy and science fiction has their cool weapon that you associate with that, with that property. Star Wars has the lightsaber, and Kroll has the blade, and Banjo has Kazooie. Like, they all have their own thing that when you think of that property, just boom, that pops into your head. Star Trek has that with the phaser. When Gene Roddenberry was coming up with Star Trek, he didn't want the phaser to look like a gun because, in his mind, it's not a military organization, right? He wants it to look like something that's more of a utilitarian thing. And indeed, most of the time when we see the phaser, it's not being used for offensive purposes. Hell, we are, what, like 20 episodes into season one already? Is that right? Mm -hmm. How many times have we seen a goddamn phaser fire? I want to say like four or five times. Like, I think we've talked about this. We've seen more guns, like more 20th century pistols than we have seen phasers. And that's probably for budgetary reasons. Also, like, you can't set a gun to stun, I guess, unless you shoot somebody in the fucking ankles or something like that. You're, you're pretty much, there's one <laughs> setting to a gun. I, I could just imagine in some Star Trek, like, they all they have guns, and the commander is like, set your gun to stun. Commander, guns don't have a stun setting. And then he shoots the guy in the leg, and he's like, I bet you're pretty stunned now. <laughs> You get to walk back to the starship now for your insubordination. <laughs> or maybe they just, like, it's all steampunky, so they set it so, like, the projectile comes out at, like, 150th the velocity. So they're just shooting these projectiles that are going, like, 10 miles an hour across the field. So maybe, maybe that's how you would set a gun to stun. But for the most part, you just have these phasers. Uh, talking about the phasers real quick, there are three types of phasers. There's the type one, which is, like, the little handheld. 
I don't know, like a doorstop? Yeah, it's almost like small enough to where you're unlocking your car with a laser. Like, that's how big those tiny little phasers are. Yeah, and then there's like the Type 2, which looks, it's it's a little bit bigger and it has like a neck that you hold on to it. And that's probably used for more like away missions and dangerous situations. It kind of looks like a miniature handheld like vacuum. Mm-hmm. Like if I was yes. to make a vacuum yeah, like that a was dust really buster. tiny. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the Type 3, which is a rifle. And these types go all the way up to the ones that you would mount on a starship. And the more higher the type, the more energy output that it has. So going back to the Type 1, which is like what most people are issued with when they go on an away mission, or I think they just always have one on their person, that one can certainly kill people. But as we see it in Star Trek, it's mostly used as like a Swiss Army knife. It can burn a hole through a door, or it can melt rocks or heat up rocks. You can fuck someone up with a phaser. They, if they set it to maximum, it like disintegrates bitches. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a very lethal weapon. And by the way, with mm-hmm. the rock heating thing, I was looking at, I was just researching phasers the other day, and it said that <laughs> it said like one of the uses is that you can heat up rocks with them. And then it listed at least twelve episodes where that's been the case. I want to say, I feel like I've seen them used to heat up rocks than I've seen them to, like, actually... Like, <laughs> yeah. I've seen phasers hit more rocks than people. Didn't Jordy in one, one episode, too, like, use it to, like, forge, like, some components he needed? Like, he actually, like, in the sand, heated up a bunch of yeah. metal and then dripped it into, like, a little... Mold yeah, he was making, it. um, uh, like, little, uh, what are they called? Stakes to climb up a wall with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You remember that one because that was a, a Romulan was in that episode. So that's you've read that report. Yeah, there's a lot of human bonding going on in that episode, which I didn't really appreciate personally as an adopted Romulan. Yeah. I hate you fuckers. <laughs> uh, so we have the phaser and everyone's issued one and there's ones on there's phasers on ships. So mostly when we see combat in Star Trek, it's with these phasers. So here's what I want to submit to you is that to me, at least... Phasers don't seem... They're, they're strong, right? They're powerful. They can blow shit up. However, mm-hmm. plot-wise, there are often reasons why the phaser does not work. And it sometimes feels like, plot-wise, phasers are not very powerful given how technologically advanced they are. I could, I could see that. Though, what my argument would be is that we just never see phasers put their, to their full potential... Because we see so many times we're like, oh my god, this phaser's been set on overload. We gotta disable it or get it off the ship or else it'll blow up this whole deck, right? We've seen that a lot. So what I, I submit to you is that it's not the phasers that are underpowered, but people just don't have that killer instinct. And once again, it's phasers don't kill people, but people kill aliens. Something like that. But here's what I want to do today. I want to I want to introduce three things that already exist in Star Trek that should be weaponized a little bit more or or not maybe not weaponized but used more in a combat setting. So I'm not saying that you use them to okay. kill people. I'm just saying that they they already exist and just resorting to phasers all the time um to resolve whatever the conflict scene is maybe isn't necessary cuz you already have this great piece of equipment on the ship. I'm not saying phasers are going away. I'm just saying there's more tools in your toolbox to resolve a scene with because humans are supposed to be all like clever, right? We resolve situations in ways that isn't always related to violence. 
I love this, and I also like have something that I talk about a lot that I want to add to this at the end because this is something I just find infuriating that's not used a lot. But let's let's hear yours before that. Okay, well, let's take the first one. So yeah. Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise, the failed Star Trek series that was on was that on UPN. I think, I think it was on UPN. I don't know. <laughs> so that series, I thought it was all on UPN. <laughs> That series did a good job of like trickling in new technologies and showing how they worked on the ship. Like they didn't get a transporter until really late into the the series, right? No, they always had it, but but it was just people were so reluctant to use it. Yeah, people. Yeah, for sure. It was like um, I I really love that. I forgot all about that. It was like air travel, you know, in the 1920s, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to die. Exactly. Yeah. No one wanted to go through it because they're like, oh man, that's going to fuck me up somehow. Like it's going to misplace my molecules. I know Hoshi, uh, the comms officer, she was like, had almost a phobia about it. That was, you're right. That was awesome. Um, So what they did get in Star Trek, because they don't have a tractor beam, they get the coolest fucking weapon I can think of to have in space, which is the grappler. The grappler is, it's a metal cable, and it can go out for fucking kilometers. I don't know. Space is huge, and they still manage to grab things with it. And then it has a magnetic Mm -hmm. end on it, so you can grab things and either, like, pull it in or tow things. And the grappler is great for a couple of reasons, because, first of all, it's mechanical. So you don't need to have the computer functioning or not functioning. Like, it doesn't matter. It's it's just related to pulling a lever Mm -hmm. and just letting out the tension. So you can use it in a lot more situations than a tractor beam. Also, the tractor beam is not weaponized at all. You can't use the tractor beam to, I guess you could push something into another object, but I've never seen that before offensively. With the grappler, there's fucking scenes in Enterprise where they just use that thing to shoot and shear off metal off of um, an enemy ship. Pew, pew, we're firing you with our lasers and we got you with our grappler. You weren't expecting that, were you? Yeah, do you remember that? I think it was before, I know you love this arc, is before they go into the Expanse to fight the Zindi, and they get um, caught by, I think, a Duras, a Klingon ship, and they kind of had them dead to rights or whatever, and Archer did this maneuver where they, like, grappled onto one of their wings, and then accelerated super quick to, like, shear off and, like, damage one of the, the Bird of Prey wings. I mean, how fucking cool is that? There's also another scene that, it was awesome. where they're in, they're in warp, and then there's a ship underneath them that's also in warp. And while they're going like warp four or whatever, they grapple down to that ship, and then a crew member because they can't transport down, so a crew member just uh, repels down the grapple in space while they're in warp, and then boards the other ship. Like that is that is so freaking. Oh cool. yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty cool. So I just think that there's a lot of situations where the grappler can come into use as both like a tractor beam and also as a weapon. But why stop at one grappler? If you have 12 grapplers and they're just like if you can um, shoot them and then detach them and then there's a bomb on the end of it and then it slowly just orbits around the ship and there's nothing they can really do about it. And then it just the bomb just collides with the enemy ship. Or if you're doing like um, you split the saucer section, which happens twice in TNG, because I think that that was way too expensive for them to, they had a cool promise, but they never really followed through with it at all. But you could have like each end have a grappler 
each end grapple a ship and then they both just go into a different direction and just tear it asunder. <laughs> it's like a wrestling move. Oh my god. <laughs> just grapple cuz it's like the it's like the pistol version of of the tractor beam. So, mm-hmm. that's the grapple. I just I want to interject there was a really cool episode of Lower Decks, a spoiler for Lower Decks cuz it's pretty new. But it was the series finale, and they run into those like dumb aliens. That you remember the guys that captured Jordy that one time? Yeah, make us go. And they're like, oh, yeah, make us go fast. So they do an episode of Lower Decks, which is the cartoon show, where those guys come back and they've scavenged like really good technology, and they're in, or maybe this was a different episode, but they're in a junkyard. And a ship is taking junk and tractoring it and throwing it at the Sorrento. They're getting torn apart by getting space junk thrown at them through tractor beams. That is cool. That's a very specific situation that you can use the tractor beam. Yeah. But that that is cool. I do mm-hmm. like that. But I also like whenever they use the tractor beam and they and the plot needs it to work, it never works. There's always a reason why they can't tractor beam something. I don't know how shields work really well in Star Trek. I think shields do whatever, again, the writers need them to do. I don't know if a grappler can get through a shield. Kind of, I kind of doubt it. Is it like the lower the velocity, the more of a chance something can get through? Or if they hit the shield, even if you're going like two miles an hour, is it like hitting a wall? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I, I would think like the higher the energy or the higher the velocity, the better it can get through an object. I don't think the more thro- force that's thrown at a shield, the more it can repel it. I think that's what you're asking, right? I think well, yeah, it's just like, and also you have to match the frequency of the shield, too, if you want to get through it or transport mm-hmm. through it. You know what the ultimate plot device mechanism in Star Trek is? What's that? Is the, the deflector dish, right? What does that thing do? It just does whatever they need it to, right? <laughs> it, that's so true. Send some tachyons through the deflector dish. Regenerate the atmosphere with the deflector dish. Yeah. Well, if we reverse the polarity of the... Of the, uh, I can't even say it. We've said it too many times. But yeah, that's the ultimate. Picard's like, I can't get season seven of The Wire. Jordy, use the deflector dish to, to pirate it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The deflector dish is just, it's a little bit of a amorphous blob that can satisfy whatever need the ship has. Okay, so let's jump over to the next one. And that is... The transporter. Mm -hmm. So the transporter is mostly, I'm going to say, 95 to 100% of the time used to transport personnel and equipment from one place to another. And then that's it. Mm -hmm. It's not used offensively, as far as I can tell, or even to to pacify a fight. Here's a classic example. Mm -hmm. The away team is down on a planet, and there's some fucking Cardassians that are down there, too, and... They get into a firefight with whatever the Federation away team is. And everyone's like hiding behind barrels and trying to get a good shot in. And then maybe someone dies or maybe someone doesn't die. The fight cools down and then people leave the scene. I think you could totally get away from doing firefights. And I don't know why this doesn't happen if Kirk is like, okay, they're starting a firefight down there. Can you just transport all those people up to our ship? Or better yet, transport them into, like, fucking space. Because we can totally do that. Why are we allowing our our crew members to potentially get injured when we have a way to instantly end this fight? 
Oh, people have yeah, boarded the no. Enterprise and they're like trying to take over the bridge. Let's just transport them into the engine and just fry them. I don't know. Yeah, like into space or into the brig if you don't want to kill them, right? Yeah, that's a great point. The final thing. Oh, I mean, do you have anything else you want to say about the transporter? This is kind of a short one. We got to talk about this too, about using the transporters, is why don't you just use the transporters to transport bombs onto other people's ships, right? And I know they kind of hedge this a little bit. If you have your shields up, you can't transport people through another ship's shields. They've established that, right? Yes. There's no reason why, like, if their shields are down or, like, on Enterprise, right, you can't just start transporting bombs into their warp drive or whatever and just blow them up like that. Okay, okay, okay. I hear what you're saying. So you have your your main phaser on your ship, which just serves to wear down shields. You have finely attuned this phaser to just disrupt shields. You don't give a shit about damaging the hull or any of that. You're just wearing down the mana of the shield. And as soon as that is down, the way the tactics work on your ship is as soon as the enemy ship is down, you have 12 transporting bays ready with torpedoes to just line the hulls of the ships that you're fighting, right? Yes. No, exactly. Have you watched many of the Abrams, you know, new Star Trek movies? Uh, Just the first one. Just the first one. So in the second one, Into Darkness, I believe, they do this. Like they They use it as a tactic where they transport bombs onto someone else's ship, and then they just never use it again. It's great. Why do all the dirty work and fire at somebody for days on end when, uh, when you can really end that situation a lot faster. Do you, do you ever watch um, the pitch meetings? It's like a screen rant thing on YouTube. Yeah. A guy named Ryan George does them. He, he did pitch meetings for all the JJ Abrams, Star Trek movies. And during the third one, he's like, why aren't we just transporting bombs onto everyone's ship? He's like, well, I forgot about that. But anyway, Brian George, he's a hilarious YouTuber he does pitch meetings. Do yourself a favor and subscribe to that guy. It's hilarious. The answer to that is because the Federation is not typically in the business of destroying a ship. And I want to circle back. Yeah, they're above that. I want to circle back to this, though, after I introduce the third thing. Okay, let's hear the third thing. Okay, so the third thing, the third thing that already exists on the on the ship that is completely underutilized is the shuttle. I don't know why they spent so much time designing a cool-ass ship with uh, TNG and the Enterprise. And then the day before shooting, they're like, oh, shit, we need a shuttle. And then people are like, uh, uh, paper mache. Uh, let's see, I got a cage for a Mardi Gras float. Okay, well, let's just cover this thing up, and there we go. Because, <laughs> like, the shuttles look really stupid and boxy. They could have looked really sleek and svelte like a, like a fighter jet or something like that. Yeah, are you talking about the TNG specifically? Yeah. Like, yeah. that one looks pretty bad. So, shuttles are great because you can do, like, when you're trying to split the saucer in the ship, you can suddenly create another target. And although you can put, like, a phaser on a shuttle and make it powerful, you can weaponize a shuttle. They don't do that too often, usually because they only have, like, two or three shuttles on each ship, which is kind of crazy. But anyway... I'm going to say just three words for why shuttles are so great. And those three words are Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica 
is such a cool show because the way they do it is there's a big ship. This ship can certainly pack a punch and it can can fuck up, you know, whatever the enemy is. But their main weapon is all of these fighters that they shoot out, just dozens of fighters that go out and just like a angry swarm of bees intercept other fighters. And then those fighters, if they destroy the other fighters, can continue onto the main ship and just hammer it from all angles and just make it impossible to, to stop them. Yeah, and like shuttlecraft are pretty powerful. They're warp capable. Yep. They got a transporter on them. They got all these technologies we're talking about. And just to get anything to like warp speed or pass faster than light, it has to have a lot of like produce a lot of energy. So those those shuttles should be able to like output lots of offensive energy. Starships are like battleships. And especially battleships from the early 20th century like Roosevelt's Great White Fleet where you just have these huge huge ships with a lot of tonnage and a lot of cannons on them. And it's just this one ship. And then they, their job is to destroy other ships. They have a really strong hull and they have really strong weapons and you have really well-trained people on these battleships. And then you fire and you just, you know, you just try and destroy things with them. But the battleship was made almost completely irrelevant by World War II. And the reason for that is because the new technology that came out, like the new thing that commanders discovered, that militaries discovered was... If you have an aircraft carrier with dozens of ships on it, that can do so much more damage than one single battleship. Because all the reasons we've said, you confuse the enemy, you have a lot more firepower. So that's what like Battlestar Galactica does. That's the, the technique that they use. So we don't see this in Star Trek because, again, they're not like a military organization. We would assume that if it was, then you would have a lot of these things in place. Yeah, and can we just pause for a second and just say how crazy it is that this, the Federation has no dedicated warships, that they're all scientific vessels with weapons on them? I just think it's crazy. Like, I can understand, like, having, like, 90% of your fleet or whatever be scientific vessels with some defensive capabilities, but not having any battleships at all, I think is insane. It's just crazy. I know. It's like having a fat little German boy with like a bunch of like cakes and and creams just strolling down a, a bad alley at night in a in a city. Oh, I have all these wonderful cakes and creams. Hope nobody attacks me. They have these luxury liners with a ton of great equipment and technology on them and families on them. And they're just like, we're going to go through space and hope nothing happens to us. Where you needed more like defiant classes to be like, if you mess with our scientific ships, or our exploration ships, we're going to have a chat. Yeah, it's just insane. It's just pure insanity. There's so many wars that crop up too. And then it's like, just like well, we'll analyze it. Here's what I want to circle back around to. The reason that you don't see these technologies used in more creative, destructive ways is because the Federation is not about destroying ships. It will always try to resolve a situation with peace and negotiation if it can at almost all costs before it resorts to violence so they have the powerful phaser and then they will use that that's like their main thing but here's a gripe that i have with star trek the other races are so homogeneous in the way that they fight they don't have to have those same reservations but regardless you have the Romulans and uh, the Cardassians and the Klingons, they all follow the same procedures. They approach a Federation ship 
there's some like either they go on the screen and they like threaten them or they'll just shoot and then you shoot the phaser and you shoot the phaser and you shoot the phaser you wait for the shields to go down and then you shoot the hole and with all of the cool shit that's available for for these races to use i would love it if each race had a really unique way of going about combat that wasn't just this two battleships just slamming each other Imagine this. What if the Klingon showed up and people were instantly like, oh shit, the Klingons are here? Because their thing is the second that the Klingons show up, they park, 40 fighter jets shoot out of them. They're coming at you at all angles. They take down your shield. These fighter jets, there's boarding parties that just board all over the ship and just totally neutralize everybody on the ship take whatever they need to do or they 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 kill people they plant a bomb they go back on their fighter jets and then they go back to the main ship and then you know the the ship explodes that they were attacking like what if the romulans were all about um like they're they're invisible and then maybe they'll always like put out like some sort of a distress signal or they'll, they'll do something to make you put your shields down and then the second you put your shields down because they're invisible they will instantly just uh, transport a bomb on your ship or whatever it is like they all have their own unique flavor and when there's a battle you're like okay we have to adapt to this race's strategy instead of just hammering it out like you normally see because the Klingons are supposed to be like bloodthirsty warriors and I just cannot imagine how they scratch that itch when they're just sitting on the deck and one person's pushing the phaser button over and over yet yet they still get so horny over fighting. They're like, oh, that was such a great battle. It's like, what are you talking about? You were loading crates. You weren't doing anything with battle. Oh, my God. My blood, my thirst is is uh, quenched. And it's like you were, at the, you were doing science comms. You were just like analyzing oxygen particles on the hull. What are you talking about? Like most fight. of them are just like sealing up cracks. You know, like, oh, this... This, I shall do battle with this leaky pipe. <laughs> exactly. That, that would, I feel like their culture would be all about getting as many of their people on the other ship as possible and just go and wharf on that, on that crew. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't come up because it's like, they're kind of all just homogeneous. No, that's a great, that's such a great point that, yeah, they don't really, there's, they're all just doing the same thing. There's no like different sorts of like tactics or or, you know, whatever. And, gee, you don't see, like, a lot of space piracy, I want to say. You don't see a lot of Klingons disabling ships and then killing the crew and, like, picking through it. That's a really great point. I wish that there was a Star Trek that was a little dirtier. I still want it to be syndicated, and I still want it to be a soap opera in space a little bit, but just not, like, on a clean luxury liner. Like, it would be cool to see more of that, the side of, of races where they are... Everything's not all polished and above board like you'll see on TNG. Things get a little bit prettier. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely very sanitized. So those are my three things that currently exist but aren't really utilized at all. Mm. Do you know my pet peeve and something I just kind of tear my hair out asking why don't people use these types of weapons? What's that? It's faster than light weapons, right? I've never seen this on any sort of show that has faster than light travel, but if you wanted to destroy a planet or really fuck up a planet or even another spaceship or, or what you do, you just take an asteroid or just some mass, right? You stick a warp drive on it 
right? Just accelerate it faster than light and then just ram that baby into a planet. You're just going to fuck up that entire planet. That entire planet will be gone. It will be just, I mean, if it doesn't crack the planet, you're going to kill everything on it. An asteroid going a regular speed, not even faster than light, if that hits our planet, it doesn't even have to be that big to just destroy all life on it, right? But people don't take asteroids and then just warp them into another planet or into the Borg. And there's it would just completely annihilate. If, if you think how much energy it takes to take an object and push it faster than light, when you hit another object, it's going to be a billion nukes going off. It'll just completely obliterate any planet that it hits and no one's ever thought of this no one ever does it and i think it's just a they're too afraid this opportunity yeah okay so here here's we're not doing a uh series pitch but here's the pitch the pilot starts where you're in san francisco at the main headquarters and there's like some tech who's playing tetris or whatever, and then suddenly there's like a like a and he looks up at his con and he sees Earth and then a hundred uh-huh. light years away, he just sees thousands of blips moving towards Earth. And he's like, uh, Admiral, I think you should look at this. And then the Admiral comes over and he's like, there must be something wrong with it. And he hits the machine and then there's like thousands more that come on the screen and now they're all coming on Earth at like different directions. And it turns out that there has been a race that has been sleeping in space and they they see the rise of humanity and so they do what you're talking about where they just put warp drives on thousands of meteors and thousands of comets and they just aim them at the heart of the federation and everyone's freaking out and no there's no ships that can stop them because like you can send one ship to go blow one up maybe but they'll be here in five days so how do you stop all of them Well, the Admiral calls up his old friend, who actually isn't in Starfleet. He works in the Oort Cloud as a miner. And this guy's played by Ben Affleck. And he's, like, all grizzled. (laughs) And he's like, "Uh, I I quit that game a long time ago. And he's like, we need you. So Ben Affleck gets a group of ex-space miners and, like, uh, Starfleet dropouts and then they have to take a... I mean, it writes itself after this point, right? I don't need to yeah. explain how they destroy all of these <laughs> comets and meteors. Sorry, ben I just kind of went like, off on a little tangent there. Yeah, no, and Ben Affleck is like, one of my ancestors actually did this back when Earth was threatened by an asteroid. And who is it? There's Will uh, Owen Wilson is one of his friends. <laughs> and Michael Clark Duncan. Actually, I think Michael Clark Duncan died. Yeah, he did die. 2012. So that's all I got, Clint. That was fun. Yeah, people are dumb. They don't know how to... Put me in charge of a starship. I'll destroy a lot of shit. (laughs) I'll massacre entire planets. Shoot an asteroid at that fucker. Because DS9 is all about, like, what if the Federation had to drop all of its pretensions of being just this good boy club and then get kind of nasty and roll around in the dirt. Mm. But it, w- it would mm. be cool to see the Federation is on its knees now. They Everyone's left. It's really just like humanity and like the Vulcans maybe. And they have to employ every dirty trick in the book to stop 
the Borg, the Cardassians, whatever it is, who mm. have ostensibly already won the war. But now we get to see like all these creative uses of this technology that used to be peacetime technology. You know what really bothered me in so you know, do you remember Discovery? Um the first season of that show is supposed to like document the human Klingon war. And um spoilers alert for the finale of that show. Wow, you're just really dropping them today, huh? I know, right? Um for the first season, so the whole point of Discovery is that it's a ship that has, like, a spore drive. Are you familiar with this? No. So it's this, it's called a spore drive, and it somehow travels through, it could basically travel in, like, any point of the universe instantaneously. Traveling through this mycelial network. I don't know, it's all bullshit how it works but um (laughs) but basically they accidentally go to like the mirror universe for six months and they come back and the federation has pretty much lost the war it's like all said said and done so what they do is they take discovery and they go to chronos i think they finally figure out where chronos is they didn't know where it was before but they go to chronos they sneak into chronos and then they threaten to blow up chronos if the klingons don't surrender and those Klingons surrender, and the war is over. But yeah, they basically just kind of sneak in and then bring like a ultra nuke and like bury it underground. And they're like, "You better not fuck with us anymore. We're gonna blow up your planet." And that's how they they solve that problem. And I, it's just kind of dumb. It's not very. I don't know. It's very like anticlimactic and kind of out of nowhere. Hey, this so. uh this episode's running a little short anyway. You want to just? I mean, we can dedicate this to like another episode but what do you think what did you think of discovery did you like it i i really want to like it i'm not angry at it some people are like angry that it exists um it's just like doesn't it's like fun and it gets a lot of like good points for like representation which i feel like some people think it's like something that takes away from the show or like oh if they weren't busy like putting people of different races and ethnicities in this show, they would have had time to, you know, write a better show. I think people say that about the economy in the real world, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it can be worth busy, like, trying to get people who face barriers to, I don't know. But, yeah, if you if you weren't so busy, like, focusing on minorities, this would be a good show or whatever. So I kind of like the personalities of the crews, except for the main character, Michael Burnham. Just because she's kind of all over the place and very, like, she does things, but then she, like, knows they're not the good thing to do. I don't know. She's just kind of all over the place and very, like, dramatic. Everything's very dramatic. And she's at, like, always, like, causing her own problems and then, like, upset about them. It's like, this is, why are you doing this to yourself, Michael? And it's just a little bit too, like, I think it takes too much from the J.J. Abrams. Like, it's very arc-focused uh in a bad way and it's like gripping like when i'm watching a season i'm like interested in it and kind of like hanging on to the cliffhangers but i don't know it's just like the writing's kind of nonsensical and dumb and just very like trying to like surprise you or be very action focused and it's just not star trek i feel like sometimes star trek's just kind of a chill show and like a very like slice of life thing in discovery will you have that episode where they just play baseball or one of the characters learns how to dance Mm -mm. no there's nothing like that it's always like oh my god the universe is ending 
how are we going to stop the universe from ending? Like every series. It's Marvelitis, right? Where like every Marvel movie mm-hmm. is the inaction of the hero is the end of the universe or the world. And that those are such mm-hmm. high stakes that why would you focus on this character has social anxiety and we need to try and, you know, work them through it because fuck that guy. The world's about to end. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. The stakes are just like way too high in every episode they're always dealing with the end of the universe or like the end of the federation they're always dealing with some threat that's going to end them and i just don't feel like it it doesn't have that like star trek feel and if you like it go for it and there's things that i like about it oh if you like it then most movies and and television will cater to your need for a cliffhanger every episode yeah you and there, I mean, it still has like cool sci, like some sci-fi concepts and stuff. There's some time travel going on in some of it, and so I mean, there's still things that link it to Star Trek in a good way. And I really do give it a lot of points because it's it does do a lot of cool representation and that sort of stuff. But it's just the tone I feel is wrong, and the stakes are too high. It's very action-focused, very, like, seasonal arc-focused. So it just doesn't feel like Star Trek in a way that Enterprise or Next Generation does, where it's mostly about the people and not the plot. That makes me think that you can't start a new... There's The Expanse, and then there's Battlestar Galactica, but it's so hard to create a new science fiction television show in space. Because you already have Star Trek, which has all of the tropes inside of it and already has like this established universe. And if you dare to create something else, people will just compare it to Star Trek because that's the daddy. That's the one that everything is going to be based on. So if you wanted to create like uh, the same exact plot as Discovery with just a totally different universe, you could probably totally do that because you're saying that the tone is just not the same as Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know if you can get away with that because people will just be like, there should just be another Star Trek series. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I really liked, actually, was the Orwell from Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, I thought that was a really good Trek-like show. It did a really great... I mean, it was definitely, like, another Star Trek. It was a lot lighter. It wasn't as much as a comedy. I think he had to sell it as, like, oh, this is a Star Trek comedy or this is, like, a comedy show... But then he kind of turned it into a Star Trek-esque show with a bit of comedy to kind of liven it up and also, like, make it a little bit more realistic. But that was a great Star Trek show. It had a great, like, every week there was an interesting sci-fi concept. You know, sometimes there was some fighting and those sorts of things. So I thought it was was really a really great entry into into sci-fi. Well, uh, so yeah, that was a fun topic. I enjoyed talking about that. Just Starfleet, they just don't have their teeth in, right? That's why you Romulans are going to just come over and take us over, right? (laughs) You idiot. You didn't know this whole time I was here to collect information on weapons. No! Goodbye, dork. What have I done? Until next time. Thank you all for listening so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, until we see you next time, keep on trekking.